0: You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Amen. Before we read from Matthew 26, I want to remind you that in your bulletins, you should have received a little uh, brochure that says Connect Groups. And I just want to encourage every single one of you, if you are not connected to the body of Christ, then this is a great opportunity for you to get connected uh, to, the, to the people of God. And there are connect groups. We have 32 connect groups throughout the, uh, well, 32 connect groups total. And many of them are meeting today. There's some that meet once a week, others that meet once a month. And I just want to just highlight, there's a few of them that we did put in bold print and those are brand new connect groups. For example, uh, those of you who jog or run, we've got a new connect group starting this evening with the Melissa. Uh, Melissa, would you raise your hand? Meeting here in room 205. Do a little bit of jogging and then take some time, with devotional time with the Lord. That's a run for God. Also, Pastor Dennis is opening up on Monday nights a brand new connect group uh, called Cleansing Stream. Anybody been to Cleansing Stream before? Powerful time with the Lord. So that's Mondays at 7 o'clock. And there's a few more there. I just wanted to, uh, want to make sure everyone is, is connected to the body of Christ. Take a look at your Connect group brochure. And love for you to just take uh, your connection more. Th- uh, we love Sunday mornings. Praise God for Sunday mornings. But how me know our relationship with God even goes beyond a Sunday morning. Amen. So today we're looking at Matthew 26. Today is Palm Sunday. And all across the world we remember... The Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, like we uh, uh, are celebrating today, when we remember when uh, Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey and uh, the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as they wave palm branches. This marks the beginning of what many people call Holy Week. This week is Holy Week. We remember what Jesus has done. We remember on Thursday night, he had the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. Friday, uh, he went to the cross, and then on Sunday, he rose from the grave. Amen. A great week of occurrences that is the foundation of what you and I believe as Christians. Well, I want to focus today on that Thursday night, because on Thursday night, Jesus had the Last Supper. Sometimes it's referred to as the Lord's Supper. But we read in Scripture that it is really Passover. Somebody say, Passover, Passover. And sometimes we don't always get the gist of the meaning behind what is Passover. Today we're going to look at a portion of the Passover, uh, and it what that deals with four promises that God gives to you and I. That is represented by four cups in the typical Passover celebration. In Matthew twenty-six verse seventeen, it says, "On the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked." Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Let me stop right there. The, the, the disciples asked, Lord, Master, are we going to celebrate Passover? No, they didn't ask that. They said instead, Lord, where are we going to celebrate Passover? It wasn't a question as of if. It was a question of where. So they knew they were going to do it. It's part of they, needed to, they wanted to do that. Verse 18, he replied, go into the city... To a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Thank you, Lord, for preparing our time today to come to your table. We pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to teach us what your word says. We thank you for the privilege we have to be your sons and daughters. And Lord, We thank you that we can um, just celebrate what you have done, what you are going to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today, as we come together, we see a brand new, beautiful painting over here to my right, to your left. It's a it's a remembrance of what Jesus did as he took the bread and served his disciples, as he took the cup and served his disciples. As we come together today, I want us to remember the Lord's Supper and how it correlates to this beautiful picture of Passover. In Luke chapter 2, verse 41, you don't have to turn there, but it tells us that Jesus spent every year in the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses uh, 1 through 15, Jesus gives us people uh, details about the Passover and when it was to be celebrated on the 14th of Nisan. How many know the 14th of Nisan is, uh, uh, today is the 12th of Nisan. Some of you thought it was the 9th of April. Well, it depends what calendar you're reading, looking at, right? Uh, and then we read, and also in Leviticus 23, verses 4 through 8, God uh, tells us in his word that Passover is an appointed festival. What is Passover all about? In a nutshell, just to let you know, are we in agreement that God does amazing things? Amen. Well, many years ago, the Israelites, God's people, found themselves in a country of Egypt where they were under slavery and bondage. God wanted to bring them out. You probably know this story. And so God did amazing things because Pharaoh did not want to let God's people go. So God had to take matters into his own hands. And one of the things he did is he sent ten plagues to the people of Egypt. Why? Because the people of Egypt were not God-fearing people. They were pagan worshipers. They didn't want to worship the Lord God Almighty. So because of that, God sent plagues, like plagues of frogs and lice and cattle disease and on and on. But uh, the tenth of the ten plagues was the death of the firstborn son. And what God said, he says, my children, this is what I want you to do. I want you to kill a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. That way, when the death angel comes from house to house to bring the plague of the death of the firstborn, that death angel will pass over you. Your house is safe because of the blood of the lamb. Your house is saved because of the blood of the lamb. Does that ring a bell to anything that was a foreshadow? Why did God instruct his people to do that? First of all, It was a remembrance. When God says you need to celebrate Passover, it was to remind them of what God had done. What did God do? God was bringing them out of bondage. What was God going to do? He was going to bring a Messiah. So Passover is about remembering what God has done and also looking forward to the promises that are to come. And I love that. So today we're going to look at one portion of Passover because today we can thank the Lord for beautiful promises. Does anybody, does anybody enjoy reading and claiming the promises that are in the Word of God? Well, there's a couple of passages, verses 6 and 7, in Exodus chapter 6, that gives us four I wills. And when we say I will, whenever God's Word says I will, that's a promise from God. And I love the I wills of the Bible. Well, here we find four I wills, promises of God in verses 6 and 7 of Exodus chapter number 6 that correlate to four promises that are integrated within the Passover celebration. It reads as this. Now listen as I say the I will promises. Therefore say to the Israelites I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm With mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now there within the context of these two scriptures are taken four I will promises that correlate to four cups. Now when we generally come before the Lord's Supper, well most scholars believe as we look at the Lord's Supper, a beautiful rendering here is that is generally, most scholars believe, cup number three that Jesus broke the bread and gave the cup to the disciples. Beautiful promises of the bread and the cup, amen. But sometimes we fail to realize the promise that is found in cup number one. Or how about cup number two? Or how about cup number four? There's so much more beyond just cup number three that we generally, uh, that generally is highlighted. When we read in Matthew chapter 26, when we read in 1 Corinthians 11, that speaks about the Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. So I, wanna, I want us to understand this because there are four key promises of God that I want you to grab hold of today. So here we go. Promise number one, which deals with cup number one, is the cup of sanctification. Now, this is the first of the four promises God says this, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now this is a picture of blessings. And I want you to understand this is where it all begins. It is a cup of sanctification. And with each cup comes a promise of God. Perhaps we can understand sanctification in this manner. Okay? Brenda and I, we have a very nice set of chinaware at our house. And it's a whole lot more expensive than the paper plates we normally use, okay? The silver knives, the silver forks and spoons are much nicer than the plastic ware we generally use every day, okay? Now, why do we only use this expensive china ware once or twice a year for a special occasion? Because that china ware has been set apart for something special. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's set apart for something special. Well, this is what the word sanctification means, set apart. Uh, And and you know what God, God looks at his people as being set apart because there was a whole lot of people in the country of Egypt, not all of them were God-fearing people. God wanted to take his people out of Egypt because they were set apart for his special purpose. Now, here's a great life lesson. God not only needed to take the Israelites out of Egypt, but he needed to take Egypt, the Egypt out of the Israelites. Hmm. So today, God wants you to be set apart from the people of this world. Now that you are a Christ follower, do we have any Christ followers here today? Amen. You know what? You don't use, the, you don't use profanity like you used to use profanity. You don't go to the places that you used to go to. You don't do the things that you used to do. You have been sanctified God wants you to be set apart from the people who choose to live a life of sin. God wants you to drink of the cup of sanctification. And once that takes place, it's a picture of the blessings of God. Once once God set aside his people, set apart his people, they were truly blessed. Cup number two is the promise. The promise number two is this, the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance. God says this, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now, God delivered his people out of Egypt. Can I remind you something? God has delivered you and I as well. And this cup, number two, is a picture of testimony. Testimony. You have a testimony. The testimony of the Israelites was this. God pulled us out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. God's hand was with us. Can I remind you, my friend, you have a testimony. Your testimony may be different from my testimony, but we all have a testimony. God has done amazing things in our lives. Do I hear an amen to that? God has done amazing things in our life. If we would only acknowledge it, we could say, thank you, Lord, that I have a testimony. Revelation 12, 11, you're probably familiar with this. It says, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you realize how important your testimony is? Especially when it comes to defeating the enemy. And so the Israelites had a testimony and so do you. So when we take this this cup of deliverance, it's a promise of God that he's going to give you a testimony. Maybe today you're going through a difficult situation. Can I tell you something? you could very well be in the middle of your testimony. You could be very well in the middle of your testimony, believing, you know what, that, that your testimony is on its way. Your testimony is unfolding. Amen? And that's a great, great promise of God. Life lesson without a test, you won't have a testimony. Number three, cup number three, promise number three is the cup of redemption. And this is a picture of the cross. And uh, the Lord, the Lord God says, I will, his third promise, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. What does it mean to be redeemed? What is this with the significance of the cup of redemption? Well, first of all, the word Passover translated means redemption. Perhaps I can give you a little story that helps us understand this. An orphan boy was living with his grandmother when their house caught fire. The grandmother, trying to get upstairs to rescue the boy, she died in the flames. The boy's cries for help were finally answered by a man who climbed an iron drain pipe and came back down with the boy hanging tightly to his neck. Well, several weeks later, a public hearing was held to determine who would receive custody of this child. He had no parents at that time, and now his grandmother, who previously had custody, was deceased. A farmer was there, a teacher was there, the town's wealthiest citizen was there because their heart went out to this boy. And they all had some very good reasons why they should be chosen to take in this boy as their son. And as they were talking, this boy's eyes remained focused on the floor. But then a stranger walked to the front and slowly took his hands out of his pockets, and the crowd began to gasp. The boy cried out in recognition. This man who walked forward happened to be the man who had saved his life. And when he pulled out his hands, it showed that his hands had been burned when he climbed the hot pipe to save this boy's life. With a leap, the boy threw his arms around the man's neck and held on for dear life. Well, everybody else silently walked away because they knew that that boy now belonged to this man. You see, the, the mars and, the, and the, the, uh, his marred hands had settled the issue because this man had paid the price to save this boy. That kind of reminds me of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus' marred hands, his scarred hands, has saved you and I. This is called redemption. He paid the price. He redeemed you to be his own. I love that song from Big Daddy Weave called Redeemed. He says, seems like all I can see was a struggle haunted by ghosts that lived in my past, bound up in shackles of all my failures, wondering how long all this was going to last. Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting the fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. All of my life I've been called unworthy, named by the voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head, I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet. Amen. I am redeemed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Life lesson is this. Sin was nullified. Sinner was justified. Law was satisfied. And God was glorified. Amen? So cup number four. Promise number four is referred to as a cup of restoration. God wants to restore. Sometimes it's referred to as a cup of praise. And it's also a picture of covenant. And this particular, uh, this particular promise from God, from Exodus 6, God says, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. This is a picture of covenant. God has a way of restoring what he needs to restore. Well, as I was uh, looking at these beautiful paintings, some of you were here two weeks ago when artist Keeley Carnahan came and had a canvas right here. And she painted this right over here. How many of you saw her do that? It was a beautiful rendering of Jesus over here two weeks ago. And uh, I asked her if I, could, if I could just put a dot on, on the canvas before she even starts. And she said, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, uh, she said, just put it in the middle. So I said, okay. So the paints were here. Some of you remember what was happening two weeks ago. Uh, I, I stuck my, uh, the brush, not my brush, her brush, stuck the brush in there. Pull it up and put a yellow dot on, on in the middle of the canvas, okay? Now, for those of you who happen to be at the 915 worship service, I did it really good, okay? Put the dot in there, looked pretty good, okay? She came back up and made a beautiful painting, okay? But at the 1115 service, some of you may remember, I put a dot there, but there was too much paint on the brush, and it started dripping. I don't know if anybody you saw that when I was doing that. It started to drip, and I'm thinking, oh, why did I do that? I was so mad at myself, but I was speaking, so I had to keep on talking. So I did that, and I walked over here. I was stationed right about here. I started teaching. A few minutes later, Keeley came over here. I'm thinking, oh, I just ruined this whole thing. I just ruined it. I, I was supposed to put a dot, but it, there, there, there's, a, there's a dot, but oh, some drippings on there. And, and even, even afterwards, I told my wife, I was so mad at myself because I didn't do it right. I mean, how simple could it be to put a dot on a canvas? I mean, and I ruined it, you know? And so, anyway, as I begin to as I began to, to teach that day, we talked about God's masterpiece. You, you heard me teach on that. And then, uh, oh, about 20 minutes later, uh, she turned the painting around, and there it is, a beautiful picture of Jesus. You know what she did? She took my mistakes, my drippings, and she restored it. Doesn't it look beautiful? And she restored what I thought I had ruined. I, I honestly thought I had ruined the whole thing. But uh, afterwards, I said, I'm sorry when everything was over. I'm sorry I dripped on this. She says, Oh, that happens to me all the time. She said, Didn't worry about it. So you didn't, you didn't uh, blink? Oh, no, no, it's fine, Pastor. It was fine. Whew. <coughs> but now it looks beautiful. Isn't that what God does for us? God takes the mistakes that we make, the drippings, the errors, and He turns it around. And He takes even what we've done and He makes it something beautiful. That's called restoration. He restores you, He restores me, and He makes something beautiful out of it. This is the cup of restoration. And for some of us, we need that cup number four to take a drink of that. And there's some things in our lives that needs to be put back together Sometimes we need God to step in and restore our health or restore our marriage or restore our finances. It's so important for us to understand this cup of restoration. And once we do that, we are one with God. God says this, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And once that happens, everything is put back to normal the way it's supposed to be in covenant relationship with God. What a great promise. God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to restore you. Some of you here today need a little bit of restoring. That's all right. You've come to the right place. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. See, we use that because oftentimes God is knocking on the door of your heart. You need to receive Christ. And rightly so. Excellent point. We need to open the door. We need to open our heart to Jesus Christ. Now, it's also not just a scripture of evangelism and accepting Jesus Christ. This is also a picture of restoration. Because in this verse, Jesus says, I will sup with him and he with me. In other words, I want to commune with you. I want to have communion with you. Are you getting the picture? And this is cup number four. I want to be in covenant relationship with you. Life lesson, when you partake of communion, you complete your covenant with God. He is your God, and, he, and you are his child. Now, I'm going to close with one more thing. Just want you to listen to this, because I told you a while ago, what was the purpose of Passover for the people of God back in the days of, uh, before, Je- before Jesus came? Well, the purpose was this. I told you two things. To thank God for what he's done. He brought them out of Egypt, right? Right? And to also look forward to the promise that was to come. What was the promise? That Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come. Didn't God fulfill that? Yes, Jesus came. The Messiah came. So today, when we come to the table, when we partake of the four cups, what is the purpose of this? The same two answers. We thank God for what he's done. Hasn't God done a great thing in your life? Amen. And number two, We look forward to the promise of Jesus, our Messiah, who's going to come again. He's coming again. Our resurrected Savior is coming again. And so today, when we come to the table, when we drink of the four cups that represent four promises of God, we keep in mind, thank you, God, for what you've done. you brought me out. You've delivered me. You've saved me. I have a testimony But Lord, I also look forward to this promise that you are coming again. My friend, (laughs) what a great blessing. So today as we come to the Lord's table, two things we're going to remember. We're going to thank God for what he's done. And we're going to look forward to the promise of Jesus coming back again. Would you stand with me right now? Today we're going to do Holy Communion slightly different than we normally do here at Fortress Church. In front of you, and here at the front, there are four tables. And each of the four tables, there, there is a, a cup that has a little bit more juice than we normally have. And the reason is, is because we're going to take four sips of this juice in just a few moments. So, in fact, right now I'm going to ask you to go ahead and grab a piece of matzah and then grab one cup. Okay? So go ahead and step out and return to your seats. One piece of matzah and one cup, and then you, re- you can return to your seats. As we prepare to take the cup, as we prepare to eat the bread, just if you could just bear with me and follow my instructions. We're going to do one cup at a time or one sip at a time. We're going to drink from the same cup four times. So when I say drink of cup number one, just do a little sip. Don't drink the whole thing. You need need at least four four sips, okay? And um, we'll walk through this because we're going to claim the promises of God. Father, we pray that you would just bless our time of communion, our time of Passover with you. Thank you, Lord. In a typical Passover seder, the first cup is presented to the people. Cup number one is a cup of sanctification, and it's a promise of the blessings of God. But before we take of cup number one and sip number one, I want you to understand this. How the blessing and sanctification go hand in hand. Some people call on God, God, I need a blessing, and rightly so. Praise God, I need a blessing. Nothing wrong with that. But here's a premise. We must first be sanctified, and then we receive the blessing. We must first set ourselves apart from the things of this world, then we receive the blessing. We must do our part, and then God does his part. So as we prepare to take cup number one, which is your first sip, I want you to just... Maybe make a, a commitment, Lord. I want to live a sanctified life. I want to honor you in everything I do. And then once we do that, you may join with me in taking of cup number one the promise of God's blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your promise of blessing. Cup number two, during the traditional Passover Seder, is a cup of deliverance, and it's a promise of a testimony. In this cup, we we say, "Lord, thank you for delivering me from all the junk of my past, from my sinful life. You've delivered me from that kind of life, and you brought me into new life with you, Lord Jesus." And then, at the same time, what is that promise? A promise of testimony. Because the things that you may be dealing with today is only a foreshadow of your testimony that currently is being developed. Are you going through a difficult situation? I want you to receive the promise of a testimony. God has given you a testimony. And once we receive that, we can say, Lord, thank you for delivering me. This is my testimony. In your moment, you can just want to say, thank you, Lord, for giving me a testimony. Let's partake of cup number two. Between cup number two and cup number three, it's generally most scholars believe, is a portion of scripture that we highlight where Jesus takes the bread and breaks the, breaks the bread and takes the cup as we prepare for cup number three. What Jesus did that day is he pulled out the matzah, and I have a full piece of matzah here. There's three unique characteristics of the matzah. First of all, it is unleavened, it has no leaven, okay? It's flat. And, other, and you know what leaven represents is sin. And why did God instruct his people to eat unleavened bread? Because it's a symbol that we need to live our life of, with sanctification, without sin. Characteristic number two that I see in this matzah is that it has stripes. Now, little did the Israelites know that Jesus, the coming Messiah, would soon bear stripes on his back for your healing and mine. Stripes reminds me of what Jesus was doing. It was a foreshadow of what Jesus was to do. The third characteristic of this matzah is that it has holes. Literally has holes. It reminds us that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. And so with that in mind, Jesus took the matzah and he broke it and he gave to his disciples to eat. And In the communion, we say his body was broken, his blood was shed. So just for a moment, we can say thank you, God, for sending your son. And Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken. As you give thanks for his body that was broken, I ask you to partake of the bread. And then comes cup number three, promise number three, the cup of redemption. And once again, it's a picture of the cross. What does God promise? I will redeem you. You will be mine. I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to pay the price. God says through his son, Jesus, I'm going to pay the price because you are valuable to me. Do you realize how valuable you are to God? That he would go to the cross? That he would pay the price? That he would have the lashes on his back and the crown of thorns on his head? That he would have the nails on his hands and feet and the spear on his side? Because he loves you. You are valuable to Him. He redeemed you. He went to the cross for you. As you recognize how valuable you are to the Lord, just say thank you, Lord, for loving me. Let's partake of cup number three. Cup number four is a cup of restoration. God has a way. of Taking all the junk in our lives and making it, He restores it to what needs to be and how it needs to flow. Maybe you need some sort of restoration because without restoration you cannot be in covenant relationship with the Lord. And today this is a picture of covenant relationship with God are you in covenant relationship with the Lord? That means nothing in this world means more to you than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing means more to you than that. And if, if that's your statement of faith, that nothing in this world means more to me than my relationship with the Lord, then that means you're in covenant relationship with God. You are His and He is yours. As we prepare for this last cup, maybe your short word of prayer is, "Lord, I enter into an eternal covenant with you, because this covenant just doesn't last for you here on earth. Your covenant with God lasts for eternity." Let's partake with cup number four. Now, let's take some time to thank the Lord for each of these promises. The promise that he will bless us. The promise that he's given us a testimony. The promise that the cross of suffering has a purpose. And the promise of covenant and restoration. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We take this time to say thank you. We don't deserve this sacrifice. And as you sat down with the 12, that Passover, you broke the bread, you took the cup, Little did they know what was going to take place. Lord, today we take the bread, we take the cup for these two reasons. We look back and say thank you, Lord, for what you've done, how you've saved us, how you've healed us, how you've worked miracles in our lives. Thank you. But, Lord, we also look forward to the promise that you're coming back. You're coming back, and, Lord, I can't wait. The resurrected King is resurrecting in me. Thank you, Lord. As we celebrate Holy Week this week, Lord, we understand the depth of what you've done for us. As we remember the cross, we remember your sacrifice. Lord, we thank you that everything we believe in is centered around what took place. And Resurrection Sunday. For that we are grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Prue Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.